Welcome to In Discovery We Trust, a Star Trek Discovery podcast based around the program Star Trek Discovery on CBS All Access, Thursdays at 8.30. Today we are discussing Season 2's first episode, Brother. I am Ethan and joining me tonight, as always, is... Kevin. And... Thank you for clarifying the show, by the way. Sure. That it's based off of, because I didn't know. And tonight it airs, you wouldn't want to miss it. TGI Thursday. Yes. Yes. TGIT. <clears throat> um, yeah. Here we are now. Here it is. It's here. Season 2. Anticipation was killing us. It definitely was. So, oh, um... Well, yeah, but... But now we have to look forward to new episodes every single week. Thursday at 8.30. For the next, for the next 14 CBS. weeks. So, do you have initial... You've got notes, obviously, so you've got initial thoughts. I have yeah. some initial thoughts. Yeah. First thought was... I enjoyed the ride of the episode. It had a lot of action. It had a lot of, of quote-unquote thrills. Yep. And it, you know, it, it was very compelling. Um... It flowed really well. The effects were like really top notch, you know, cinema level. Yep. I feel like you're building Certainly. to a. I feel like you're building to a butt. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> but keep going. Uh, yeah. So I very much enjoyed the ride um, when I wasn't thinking about it too much, and then I started thinking about it a little bit more. And as much as I love Pike and I love the dynamic that's going on, yep, it just was a little felt a little hollow I guess I just really don't like what they're building toward and I hope it doesn't last too long I'm definitely along for the ride because of the characters right but well what do you, when you say building toward like like building toward what the angels oh you're not into that no I'm not into it well it's a mystery though see we don't know what it is true right. and I hope it's I hope that that it's not something expected right that would be very cool if they don't have to shoot it or punch it, I'll be very happy. My my initial thought was... Now, overall, yes, I liked it a lot. And I was really into it. And I, I, I really... And I was tweeting about this right away, as soon as the show... Like, not long after the show began. Um, you know, because my CBS Alexis has ads, so I had, I had, a, few, I had a few minutes. Um, I really, really like Anson Mount as Captain Pike. I agree. I'm. I. I really think that he's gonna go down to be a, you know. And I only tweeted this within the first few minutes, but I really think he's gonna go down to become really one of the best and most memorable captains of the uh, of the franchise. Yeah, and I really feel that this show has already given us two super memorable captains. Even though we only had George O for a little while. Yeah. She also was just yeah. like that is a Starfleet captain. That's who I want to right. lead me on. And I'm sure I'm sure Lorca has his fans too, despite. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I don't know. We never got, really got to meet Lorca. Well, not the real Lorca, anyway. The, the yeah, yeah. But so I think it. This show's batting a thousand for captains. Yeah. Um, yeah, because every show was always defined by their captains. Well, this, this show one is not. It's not. Yeah. Which I think is what I think is interesting. And actually, yeah. when we get to Haters Corner, I'm just a little bit about that. Oh. That'll later in the show. That's yeah, called the tease. Mm. Um. Yeah, I, I I really really enjoyed it and. Uh, there were some little things I noticed, but it it felt. I mean, it was. It did feel like to me Star Trek again, and you know what I mean by that is, 
it wasn't all action and I mean there was some action obviously but in, action. I think when they were going down to the uh, wreck of the Hiawatha in those pods it did feel a little almost like an Abrams but film a little bit like a little beyond <laughs> well specifically uh, uh, Star Trek Into I, Darkness oh that's I, what I meant yeah Into yeah, Darkness yeah. when they're going that's yeah. what I was thinking of oh yeah too, way, too, but, way too much um, and I thought I, I thought that sequence was going on was getting a little long in the tooth I'm just like okay like yeah let's go yeah. come on just get down there I did appreciate that a even with dropping the hint of the red shirt, the red shirt did not die. The blue shirt did, yeah. Yes, and yeah. you know that's good because that guy was a dick. The character was a total dick. Yeah, and you could see it. He was he was arrogant. He was um, yeah. You know, he was just thought he was right about everything. Didn't yeah. think anyone else was worth anything. So yeah, that guy was nasty. It was kind of funny. I was so glad he went down though to set him up like that, and then because he did not trust Burnham, he winds up dying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and. <laughs> And again, you know, I really, I thought Pike was really good and, you know, he, he's such a, it's weird to me that he's so different than he was on The Cage, which is about three to four years prior to this. Like on The Cage, he's very sort of, which we're going to do a commentary for, he's very like, he's Wait, almost, he's burned out. And before this? We're going to do a commentary. No, cage no, no. is before <laughs> this. Yes. The Cage is before this. It was before this, yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought it was after. Yeah, because in The Menagerie which is about 10 years in the future, they say, when they're watching the footage of the cage, they say it's, I think they say it's like 13 or 14 years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the cage is already... Interesting. Is already so I guess place. something, because he certainly um, almost was going to quit in the cage. Yeah. And here he's definitely so, in it. Yeah, it makes me, I'm curious what actually took place to kind of give him his second wing. Because in the cage, he's a very sort of, he's kind of, I don't know if I, would you say burned out? He feels a little burned out and just yeah, yeah, kind of like um, Kirk at the beginning of Beyond when he's right. just tired of it. Yeah, and he's thinking about quitting and doing something else. And it's weird. To, it's it's you know I have to imagine like maybe the events of the cage kind of uh, rejuvenated him afterwards. I don't know, but he's not the he's not like as personable and as sort of like outgoing as he is. In this episode, that he, he yeah, in this episode, he is everything you would want from a captain. Which is funny because we spent a little bit of time with Giorgio, who clearly was everything we would want in a captain of yeah. the Picard model, where they sort of have ultimate respect for their crew, yeah, and they're fair-minded and all that. Yeah. Um, then we got Lorca, who of course was a dick, had right. none of those qualities, yeah. and now we have right. <clears throat> Pike, who has all of those qualities. He, he, you know, the more I think about it, and I'm thinking back to when he was like first getting on the bridge. I mean, he, he was. To me, he was channeling a lot of Kirk. It was a very kind of Kirk feeling about him, you know? He's less of a um, loose cannon. I did like him. I did like that at that moment when he was... When he asked for roll call, he asked everybody's names. He goes, forget about your ranks. Just tell me your names. Oh, that was fantastic. Especially because... We didn't know a lot of those characters' names. Right. It's, it's hilarious. It's almost as if they had realized, oh, wait, we have a whole crew that we've never done anything with as a show. Yeah. So that was fantastic. I mean, now I will remember Detmer's name. I want to see the eye lady. Kayla, De well, I knew her name was Kayla Demick, so that's what she said. She called her in the in the third episode, but yeah, I just wasn't. Um, so that's it. They mentioned her name once, and then never again. Right. I still don't remember the robot-looking lady. Uh, I forget. But that and that robot lady was played by somebody else. Really? Yeah, it wasn't the that's same actress. <laughs> well, I noticed it right away. I'm just like, why did they? Really? Yeah. Oh, but apparently, I, the I lady who played the robot. She was an Australian. I looked it up once. And she's in the episode as herself, without oh, any... An Australian model from the past? 
the one who played the robot, somebody else plays the robot, but the one who played the robot originally, she's still on the show. Right. Just with no... I know, you missed my joke. Oh, sorry. I didn't. <laughs> if she was playing herself, she would have been playing an Australian model from the 20th century. And why would they be on I just woke, Discovery? I just, I just woke up a little That while. would be weird. I just woke up a little while ago. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting. So she got upgraded to a no, no prosthetic role. Right. Which is going to be relieving. But, um, you know, one of the first things I noticed, I loved when they came aboard Discovery and they were kind of impressed by the interior. And Pike says, you oh, know, yeah. do not covet thy neighbor's starship. And then, then he goes, well, hey, but we got the new uniforms, though. Right. So there you go. Uniform problem solved. <laughs> I also noticed, I thought, that there was a bit of a kind of a jab at the fans when he said uh, sometimes it's best to lower your expectations so you're not disappointed oh interesting I Pike didn't, said that and I was like hmm I didn't I didn't put that together but it does make a lot of sense yeah that's interesting yeah that could certainly be um, a reaction to any of the haters corner comments oh it had it must have been yeah but, you know I was I was a little disappointed that we haven't seen uh, number one yet oh right well yeah. this time yeah um did you have any thoughts of that opening sequence with uh, the Cassini space probe? I didn't know what was going on with that. No. I mean... I mean, I, I'm i just like, okay, fine. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it'll matter later. We had the extended uh, voiceover by um, by Michael Burnham. Yeah. which Doing her own version of the space, the final frontier. Yeah, which was interesting. It wasn't the uh, one that we always known. Yes, because the way she said it also... I, I didn't write it down, but she said something about <clears throat> going into space, but like to find out who we are inside. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that this show being very character focused. Yeah. It is almost like they're spending more time looking yeah. at the characters on the inside rather yeah. than the weird anomalies they're encountering. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it the show had a the episode had a very strange opening too with the with. We get to see Spock, young Spock. It was Spock. all over the place. I was, yeah, I, I don't... I feel like... Now, again, I did like the episode a lot. I really did. It did. But I felt like it was kind of trying to do too much all at once. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, that that episode with the opening with Spock, I mean, I get it because Spock is going to be key on the show this season, but, like, you could have done that... Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, no, you, you could have even done that last season when you were introducing... That's true. The audience. Yeah, and right. I see that somehow this dynamic between them is going to come into play. Yeah, but it was—I didn't like the scenes in the set of no. Vulcan. I didn't like it. No, I mean, I—I I understand. You know, at least for a while, anyway. The hook was she's related. She's a foster sister of Spock. Yeah, but. And with me, sort of like the Klingon stuff, like that's not something I'm finding very. I'm not finding that very compelling. Yeah, no, not yet. I, not I yet. think I will. Not yet. But I don't really want to see them as kids. But there's one thing that did make sense. At first, it's funny. I wrote it down as being a, something weird that Michael was really was so much older than I expected when she was adopted by them. I figured because she had adopted such a Vulcan-like mindset that she would, yeah, that she would have been younger and really absorbed it her yeah. whole life but now given that you know people oh well he never had a sister before maybe if she came older and didn't wasn't actually with him for that long and he never really accepted her it makes sense that she'd never come up before it, it and I'm still very curious about the whole how they just kind of decided to take her in I mean does she not have any other family back on earth like <laughs> well he did say that I can't remember she has was... no one 
Did he? I don't. I didn't remember that line. Yeah, he. Sarek said that. Oh my bad. Now here's the weird thing about that. So Sarek says, when later in this when, episode, he said, yes, hmm. when he says it to uh, Amanda. 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 Yeah. So when when uh, Michael later when Michael and Sarek are talking, um, she says you wanted me around so that Spock would be more human. Isn't the whole dynamic between Spock and Sarek is that he's too human, and Sarek hates him for it? Doesn't hate him for it, but he kind of. Like shuns him because he's not Vulcan enough. Wasn't that my mis? Sarek was not happy with Spock. There was a rift between them because of the. He joined Starfleet. He when he joined Starfleet instead of the. Uh, yeah. Vulcan exploratory. Which. Why would he want? Why would he bring someone in to make him more human if he just wanted him to follow the Vulcan route, so that they're. I mean, doesn't Spock is half human, but he's Spock is half human, but he's chosen a Vulcan yes. way of life. So here now, Sarek brings in a human to try to make Spock more human, yet later he wants him to continue into the Vulcan Academy so and he, is don't he, interact with humans. So is he, is he, is he, is he too Vulcan? And he's to, he's to dial it back a little bit? And then maybe he goes too human, and then he's like, ah, oh, now you got to go back. This is a... It doesn't, it doesn't really fit with the later character, but... Yeah, this is a plot for an upcoming video game. People change as they get older, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you notice in his bedroom, as far as little uh, things that I don't like to call the stuff you hide on three days after Good Friday... Um, the 4D chess is in his bedroom. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, I don't know why it's called 4D chess, just four chess boards. Yeah. Um, his eel dragon. Whatever that was. Yeah. I don't know what that was. I didn't, on, that didn't work for I me. I thought it was a Vulcan Sailot. Yeah. Cre- but that's what I thought it was. But okay. I, I don't, I don't know. I understand. Unless I'm missing something, I don't really quite know what that was. was well, I think it was be, just. I think it's maybe it was supposed to be symbolic. It was symbolic of yeah, Spock's feelings toward getting this person in his life. Yeah, I guess possibly. But later on, when we find out when Michael says, "Oh, he he draws like the things." Yeah. That he's his fears or you know his nightmares or dreams, mm-hmm. and then she finds some kind of space map or something by right. doing the same little throw the yeah. light. I mean, this this season is going to be dedicated to explaining to us why we don't know about Michael Burnham prior to this. And I like, don't really need that. Like I well, said, that's the thing, and neither do I. Because Spock is weird. Spock's not going to be like, "Sit down, Kirk. Let me tell you about my sister." Well, at the, again, at the same time, we didn't know that he had a brother named Cybok. Exactly. He's he's yeah. He's not the type. And to... that, for some reason, that was okay by everybody. Well, I'm sure there were people. Maybe I don't. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think it just goes to being a Vulcan. They don't really reminisce about the good old days. He only well, even it even goes back to the uh, show. It goes back to uh, Journey to Babel when Sarek first comes aboard. Spock, they know Sarek is coming aboard, but Spock doesn't tell Kirk until the last moment. That's his father. As soon as after they've been introduced to Sarek, uh, yeah. Kirk says to Spock, "Do you want to go now that we're in orbit? Do you want to go down to?" see your family and he goes Ambassador Sarek is my father oh yeah right right but actually so Spock is never forthcoming with his yeah but he told Pike about Michael because at a point um right Pike says he said you were smart so it means he talked about her said she was smart and whatnot. Right. so maybe we'll see a transformation in Spock over this that he yeah goes full Vulcan or something there was a um I don't know if you caught this so when the Enterprise showed up, there was actually a bit of a nod to Sulu. Tell me more. 
So, uh, I forget the full line, but Stamets mentions that there's a... I'm going to get this wrong. He mentions... Oh, an ethnobotanist. And Sulu was originally a botanist on that show. Get out of here. Yeah. Oh, look at that. And then we got the... Uh... In, in So, in Where No Man Has Gone Before, Sulu is not the navigator. He's... The ethnobotanist. I don't forget. I forget like what his rank is. But he's not on the bridge. And then in The Man Trap, we see Sulu's quarters and he's got plants everywhere. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's fantastic. So he's... So Sulu, assuming that's who he's talking about, yeah, can be interpreted as that. Sulu was on the Enterprise while serving under fire. That makes sense. And especially since you've got the first openly gay character of Star Trek and um, yeah. George Takei being the openly gay actor... Sulu was also yeah. Yeah. oh that was fun yeah that's a really good one it's it's yeah it was interesting that they uh, that they did that so it, yeah it did stand out to me because I remember thinking trying to figure out what the hell an ethnobotanist would be and, I, and my brain couldn't make a word out of those two yeah things because the thing is I went back and I looked at not only Sulu but all the other a lot of the other characters in the original series and really there's no short of McCoy Kirk and Spock there's no firmly established date or time when they actually joined uh, the en- the Enterprise. So, ah. so again, they could be there now. Right. That makes sense. Just, you know. Um, another small note that this one I actually read, though, was that uh, on the animated series, Amanda reads Alice in Wonderland to Spock. She does. Yeah, so there's another little connection. Well, they mentioned that in, in multiple episodes, this one. The Through the Looking Glass? They talked yeah, yeah. about it, uh, like, last season. Oh, so right. But, I mean, we never heard about her reading it. Only reading it to Michael, not to Spock. Oh, right. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean... That's a very good animated series episode. About I know. One. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Pike. Immensely solid dude. Yeah. Um, when he's on the bridge and he gets his... He calls the role. Um, and just the way he takes over is very classy. Like, I want to tell you myself. Yeah. Um, I respect what happened to your crew and what you've done here. One little interesting thing that I think, if it wasn't there, I probably would be saying, really, they're just going to hand over the ship to this other weird guy that shows up. But they made him do a DNA test first. Yep. That was very smart. It yeah. made a lot of sense. Tilly and, and we got... Tilly was kind of an overdrive in this one. I know. That, with her Tilly. Well, they know people love Tilly, so... Right. We're probably going to get awkward Tilly every... She's a she's the now. gift from the TV gods that just keeps on just keeps on giving. Yeah, you can't yeah. overdo it though because at a point you got people would start to think, really, is she, you know, like captain material or officer and, material? That she's always and very interesting to we found out that the Enterprise did not participate in the Klingon War. Yeah, not at all though. I thought no. it was just they were they were ordered to stay away, and they said they they were continuing on their five year mission. Oh yeah. So they never actually were. They were too far away, and they never actually. Uh, Interesting. Took. took uh, so I think. Uh, I think Pike kind of, especially with wanting to go down to the Hiawatha and see if anybody. Not see if anybody oh, he wanted to do his part. He wanted to do his part and say like you know. Almost like as a way of redemption, like you know. Yeah. I didn't. I wasn't. We weren't here for the Klingon War, but if anybody else is down there, I'm not going to leave them there to die. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I really like when. Pike, um, he's going around, he's sort of like telling the crew we're going to go save these people, and he almost doesn't think that they're going to be on his side, so he's sort of demanding it. And then yeah. Michael has to say, Listen, dude, any of us would never would do the same thing. Like, don't worry. Right. We're, you know, so it's interesting to see that they're learning the new captain, and the new captain is learning about them. Yeah. 
and I like to see that. And it seems like quickly he get, he's he's gaining a lot of respect for Michael and the whole crew. I'm finding the crew also to become very. I'm finding them much more likable now. Well, I think that the, now that this war is over with, like it's something really... about this. Maybe there's new directors or something, but they feel like a crew instead of right. Michael talking to Lorca and a bunch of background extras, which is what right. it always felt like last season. Right, and that's kind of where Voyager went with Seven. But yeah, that's I mean, that's the tricky thing about probably writing Star Trek is giving everybody a chance to have a unique. Voice. But even all those other people that they introduced on the bridge, who's actually said their names that we didn't know, like they're not in the opening. Their names are not. In, they're not main well, cast members. Yeah, well, that's like you know you had right, yeah. you always had a couple of weirdos in the background of <laughs> the original series. You know, right? He did. Yeah, standing up, they didn't have his chair. They were just. <laughs> doing stuff I always like if I ever watch like the first movie and I just see them like standing at the or even Worf I'm just like god a whole shift of having to stand up that's <laughs> what sucks yeah um oh as an English teacher I really did enjoy that one of the first times that Michael wowed uh, Pike with her smarts which is really funny that this is when he said like oh he said you're smart was when she um said it's like a compass of the North Pole and the guy said, like, oh, I thought that simile was too simplistic. Yeah. A metaphor. And she said, actually, I believe it's a simile. So anytime people a make a distinction between metaphor and simile, I, my English teacher and me gets happy. Yeah. I do like the lot that um, officer they found down in the uh, Hawatha wreck. Yeah. Played by uh, comedian Tig, I think Tig. Tig Nataro. Tig, Tig Nataro. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar with her comedy. Yeah. Certainly. What kind of comedy does she do? Uh, stand up. No. I mean, like, what's her st- what's her style of comedy? I'm saying, like, I don't know how to explain it without maybe get... belittling it or not doing it justice. Oh, okay. But she's most well known for a situation where I believe her... it's coming through in her performance, obviously, right? Yeah, I believe her mom died, and then she got diagnosed with some type of cancer, and she got diagnosed that day, and she had a show, a comedy show that night, and she did it anyway, and she like talked about how she has cancer and she's probably gonna die which she thought she was mm. and that became this big sensation because it was like this honest you know comedian sort of sharing the hard things going on in their life mm. and uh, so that's what she's most well known for but yeah um yeah, yeah so i guess I, I, confessional I, maybe. I, I i want to see i want to see more of her yeah um yeah i didn't love her performance i felt like the word i felt like it was written better than it came out of her. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Like the lines were great. She's, and not, doing, like, she's not doing the lines, but she wasn't. Yeah, it was. It was. Wait, yeah. Yeah. They felt kind of flat. Yeah. Now I don't know that she's done much dramatic acting, but I don't know for some reason. Maybe that's just you yeah. know the character. Yeah. She's very matter of fact about everything. What I thought was really, and I know I'm kind of jumping all jumping all over, but the other thing I thought was really strange was like. We got that really interesting shot inside of Discovery. Of, we got to see the ins- like the turbo lifts on the inside. Mm. Did you see? And I'm just like, how the fuck? How big is this ship? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Because there were like there were turbos. There seemed to be like little shuttlecrafts in there too. Like, yeah, and they're going down that hallway, that clear hallway. Yeah. With the I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. I didn't know. What, that's when they say like, oh, and now yeah. I see where the Federation puts its pennies, and it's like, oh, don't ever cover that any of his starship. Yeah. 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 But it is a weird ship too. It spins around. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me of something else. Oh, this I actually heard on another podcast, which I usually don't listen to other podcasts, but I needed to like refresh my memory. Mm. And I think that they pointed out, which I didn't notice, and then on my second watching, I, I couldn't unsee it, was that he, Pike takes over the bridge. Yeah. He tells them, essentially, when he goes through the bit with um, 
uh, about why he's taking over. So, like, there's a threat. Uh, Federation citizens' lives are in danger. Yep. And he has to take over, right? So they get this news, like, oh, my God, something terrible is happening. And then they go in the lift, and they have a little uh, lighthearted conversation with the snake guy about his cold, and they have a good laugh. Yes, yes, yes. It did seem totally weird. Well, like, oh my god, everything's ending. I'm like, how you do? How'd you cold? Oh, yeah, thanks to see you. Well, at the same time, too, I thought they presented that scene way better in the trailer because there was no, like, there was no music to it or anything. And it was just very, it was very quiet and almost, like, done very awkwardly, which yeah. I thought was really funny. But they were adding this, like, dramatic music to it. And I felt it really kind of pulled us out of the, the comedy just seemed a little out of place. Yeah, that comedy did. Yeah. If they would, if they did that on the way He's to. He's a Saurian, by the way. Okay, what? Yeah. He's a Saurian. Okay. Yeah. If they did that on the way to the bridge before they find out how terrible everything is, that would have been fine. Yeah. But it seems strange Michael would hear that. Maybe it was just editing. Maybe they moved the scene around or something. Yeah. I don't think that it would be so lighthearted. No, I mean, it... Yeah, but overall, like, I think the tone of this season is going to be much lighter than last season was supposed to be. Was supposed to be. Really? Yeah. Is that because there's no war or because... I think it's because there's no war and also they're actually... the, The... they're they're actually doing something that is not I don't want to say it's more trek like they're actually going out and finding sort of the unknown as it were right? yeah they're not doing something that this one despite the fact that Pike and the Enterprise are there I found was and there was the occasional nod to things but it felt less it was not broiling in nostalgia like a lot of the other past episodes were this one so yeah um it was it, about Berlin Nostalgia. What do you mean? Well, like, I think sometimes in the past, like, a lot of episodes have spent too much time just giving us all these Easter eggs and throwbacks to other, uh, to past series. Oh. Right. And... I think this episode built around an enormous one, though. That's the thing. Well, but that's why I say, you know, despite the fact that Pike and the Enterprise and, you know, I should say even Spock, they're like... But... I don't know if I really consider that being too nostalgic because it's not... Because you can still do new things with them. Because <clears> we don't know anything. They can actually build upon established things already. I see what you mean. Yeah. I see what you mean. Because when you look back at the other shows, I mean, I didn't find that they spent too much time referencing each other or, like, events of other ones all too often. That's true. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, Star Trek has gone on, it's become, since, I think since Enterprise forward. Because everything now is so rooted in yes. nostalgia. And you heard me go on a rip about Halloween. God only knows how many times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I guess it, it wasn't, I mean, we had a baby Spock in it. Yeah. And we did get to see, and I thought it was funny, like, you know, we got to see Spock's quarters on the Enterprise, and, you know, we we saw a little bit of the interior of the Enterprise, which obviously looked like Discovery. It's not going to look like oh, yeah, yeah. the original. And I love the fact that she can just walk into his quarters and just play his personal logs. Right. Like, without even... Yeah, that was a little strange. I just assume, okay, well, Spock can either lock them or just not. Yeah, but it would be illogical to lock them, why would he lock them? Right? Yeah. He has no secrets to keep. Yeah, and I think I said earlier, I was a little sad we didn't get to see um, number one. Right. Yeah. Because Enterprise is being the Enterprise hauled crew. off for refit or repairs, right? Yeah. Yeah, they say like the ship just suffered system-wide failure. Because Critical the, system failure. Because of the dark matter thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
but I st- but we didn't. We're still with where we left off. We're still with the Enterprise. So I think, and we do see number one in the trailer. So I think we are going to see. You know, it's going to be with us for a little while. I think at the very oh, least. Oh yes, yeah. gotta be because we saw more in the trailer. So yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and I'll be really, you know, and I'm hoping that we do get to see the interior. Like I hope we get to see the, the bridge. At oh, least totally. once. Yeah. yeah. And th- didn't they say that they were going to explain the look of the ship also? Do you think they've already done that? They explain the uniforms in a throwaway line, so that's... They, I mean... Take care of that. I don't know. Like, I, I don't... And this is where the haters corner thing, I guess, could come in, because I got into, I got into it... I got into it again with somebody on Twitter the other day, and, you know, that very same thing. Oh, it looks too advanced. It shouldn't look... doesn't look like a... It doesn't look yeah. like it fits between them. Just like... Um, Look, I don't think that they need to. If they want to do some kind of, like, the way they did with the uniforms, fine. But I don't need some kind of, like, long, drawn-out explanation as to why the Enterprise looks the way it does if it doesn't look the same as it does. Yeah. You know? And I think the reason... One reason that... I mean, they could have made it a little bit less Discovery-like. And then it could have just been that, well, Discovery, of course, is the most advanced. It spins around and it leaps through mushroom space. Right. So, that... <laughs> so, that's why it looks so advanced. Sorry. Smokers left there. Mushrooms, <laughs> mushroom space. That was good. Yeah. Mm. But you have to remember, too, that they're probably... They're just utilizing Discovery's sets. That's true. They're recycling their sets. That's true. I do that. Right. So that's actually why, in the other shows, why you see a consistent look amongst yeah. all of the Starfleet vessels. Well, because they're reusing That's the sets. only reason to use the actual look of the original Enterprise would be because they can make them out of plywood. I it guess. wouldn't cost very much. It wouldn't cost very much. Uh, I mean, after this, I I, I was watching something on, with the original, watching a few clips of the original series. I'm just like, they can't, like, you can't just, you yeah. can't, this would just wouldn't look right. I'm sorry. I do want to see the bridge, though. I do want to see the bridge. I, and I, I want can't, to see a railing. You want to see a red, a well, red I think at that point it has to be black. It has to be silver and black like it was in the cage, uh, yeah. but. Um, but I do want to see how you were. Although the, the interior of what we saw was red. It's, if it's heading toward Kirk's time, maybe it's beginning to kind of take on the look of, yeah. you know, because. Even with the uniforms, you know, Burnham does say, "Oh yeah, they're very colorful." Yeah, <laughs> it was funny. Um, yeah, it seemed like they were they were kind of throwing shade because Saru said, "Oh, they're they're very lovely." <laughs> and she said, "Yes, very colorful." <laughs> like they were just like, "God, well, how can I compliment this ugly thing?" Mm. But then I noticed when we look at the f- next weeks, it had um, uh, Pike in the uh, Discovery uniforms. Yeah. Well, even in this episode. Oh, at the very end, yeah. yeah. Which I thought was kind of odd. I mean, how long does it take for uniforms to kind of filter through? Well, remember, they have the uniform uh, replicator, so... Right, but Starfleet's still wearing Discovery's uniforms. Like, is Enterprise, like, testing yeah. them out? Actually, you know what? Especially since if those are the new uniforms and they have uniform replicators, they could just send out an email. Hey, everybody's wearing colorful uniforms now, and then... I do want to know how Starfleet, like, filters that down, yeah. But... You know, also, don't forget that it's a very... I think I know we've had a uniform discussion before, but when you watch the cage, yeah. they're wearing... The blue and black. Blue right? and gold. They're just blue and gold uniforms. Yeah, black pants. Right. And so then, on Discovery, they go back to... So they, they get rid gold. of that completely, and then just go completely to that. It's completely blue and gold. Right. And then they go back to colors again, which... And then... And then but even before that, though... When when Burnham joins the Shenzhou, which is like seven years before the cage, they're still wearing the uniforms they've got now. 
Yeah. So I'm like, what is? I don't. I don't understand the Starfleet practice of uniforms. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, I guess they like. Maybe they're. Are, is Pike? Are they? Is the Enterprise beta testing things? Maybe it's like um, sometimes European countries will bring in some fancy designer to do their military uniforms. Maybe Starfleet does that. They pay Maybe. people from different. Planets. I mean, you had that really great theory about the mirror universe defiance somehow being responsible for that for the colorful look of discovery. oh yeah that would have been great <laughs> like if you would you say it was like i forget i forget how you put it like yeah if they know. saw the interior of the if they saw the interior of the defiant yeah and decided that oh i like how that looks we need to <laughs> we need to we gotta refit yeah no i don't get the you know starfleet uniform design to me has always been very inconsistent you know even yeah even in next gen when they finally got the uniforms with the collars yeah. If you if you watch like because they get those in season three. Yeah. If you watch the first like season three and four, maybe a little bit in five, the extras are still wearing the old uniforms, so they don't yeah. have them. Yeah. Because the reality of it is, I mean, it's budgetary, obviously. For budgetary, that, but... and they just different times they feel they need to rebrand the show, and so they give it a different look. The the uniform is what defines the look of the show. The eras. I was thinking of it as the eras. You know, or the like eras, wearing yeah. the, the nautical looking maroon right. thing with the turtleneck. But I still think that... But here's the thing, though. Even though Pike is wearing the new uniform, they're going to change again. Yeah. Because those are just Discovery's yeah, uniforms they got with like a solid... A, like, they've got like that lip, yeah. the collar with the lip over it. They're going to change again. enough. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. But well, I like that a friend... I of, wish those were Discovery's uniforms in all honesty. Me too. A mutual friend of ours, Jerry, once pointed out something that made a lot of sense. That the uniforms change as the uh, original series actors in the films age and gain weight. And they change to distract from the fact that they all have big bellies. And that's why all the ornamentation on them, they become very ornate at the top. So they have like the, the pauldrons on the, on the yeah. shoulders and they have the little things that come across the chest. Mm-hmm. And it's all to draw your attention away from their big bellies. Which, and he's a big bellied guy, so you would know. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Thanks, Jerry. Even even in the movie generations, they were still wearing the next generation uniforms. They're also wearing the DS Nine uniforms with the color on the top. Yeah. So it was like kind of going back and forth. They they were kind of you know they had both going at the same time. Yeah. So they're kind of a mess when it comes to uniforms. Yeah, I don't really yeah Not a priority for stuff. No, it it. But like, if if I if if you're telling me Discovery is set during whichever period, I think they need to be wearing those, you know, those uniforms. The colorful ones. The colorful ones. I, I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the season they're wearing them. I mean, it'd be cool if at some point they, yeah, they are wearing them. I think yeah, that'd be great. I think they should. I think yeah. it would make no sense if they're like, we have the new uniforms and then, but now we're all wearing them. We have the new uniforms. And by the way, is maybe we have the new uniforms and we're not going to participate in the war because we don't want to get the new uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> the blood's really going to show up on these. Are you bright yellow? We're going to see the blood. Yeah. It's going to look bad. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, they're that's the only thing. That's the only thing that bugs me. It's the uniform. Like nothing. I can. <laughs> I can honestly like forget about everything else. But uniform inconsistency just really, yeah. really, really bugs me. Because it seems like an easy thing to fix. Yeah, and you know, um, the one that they're using for Pike right now and his crew, it, it's modernized. It's updated. It looks fine. It doesn't yeah. look silly. Well, again, it's Discovery. It's uniform. It's the same exact design. It's just right. fully colored with. Yeah. Yeah. Well. 
I think I think they're gonna they're gonna move to it. I really do. Yeah. Um, so but you have, you have a you have a hated. Oh, sorry. This brings us to sort of the. Well, I do just want to talk about how we get the the angel sighting. Oh right. Oh oh oh. Here's something. Here's something actually important. So we were talking about the Tignataro character. Yeah. When it seemed like something was fishy about her, when they when Pike asked her, "What do you know about the the signals?" She said, "I don't know." And then he said, "Like there are any signals emanating from blah blah." I have no idea what you're talking about. I felt you felt really yes, and I really I sort of hope that that's not the case. I hope they don't do another Lorca, <laughs> but I don't know. Something about her answer seems strange now. I also said that I wasn't thrilled with her acting, so maybe it was just weird acting. But <laughs> it seemed like actually it would all make sense that she would act for kind of flat if she's. Sort I of do wonder if it. that's what the Hawatha was doing, because yeah. it was because that's where the signal was coming from. Right. So I do wonder if that's why it was out there. It certainly seems like that. Yeah. So I think there could be more to. See, I, I didn't have. On. I wasn't theorizing much, but. That wasn't. That, but yeah. you're kind of getting my wheels turning a little bit. Yeah, I guess that wasn't theorizing. And just when she when she answered that question, yeah, I, my immediate reaction was, "That's not totally truthful." She knows more than she's letting on. Like, could the because they said that the Hiawatha was presumed destroyed by the Klingons. I think they said like ten months ago or something like that. But it landed on a. It landed or crashed or something like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I do wonder if like, could they have seen those signals as well, and maybe. Could there have been like some kind of they're trying to harness like the power of it or something like that to use against the I don't know. Yeah, or did the angels lure them there? The angels like sirens of uh, ancient yeah. myth that lure sailors to yeah. the rocks to crash in a watery death. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and 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 Michael did see it briefly. At least we think she did. Yeah, she saw, the, she was... saw the outline of something. Yeah, angel like. Yeah, and then it turned out to be Pike, or Pike came in came in its place. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've been seeing speculation online about the Red Angel, and they've been saying, like, you know, they're trying to, like, pinpoint it into, you know, could it be this, could it be that, but, like, they're pinpointing it into, like, existing Trek lore. Okay. Maybe it's this, and I'm just like, maybe it's just something totally new. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I certainly hope it's new. I, I also mean, especially hope it's not a universe-threatening entity. I mean, especially when you consider the fact that, that, um... You know, they're trying to, they're spending the season explaining, you know, the goal of the season is to explain, again, why we, why Spock has never talked about Burnham and why, and where sort of Discovery fits into the canon of all of this. So, I don't know if people are trying to, like, look at the Red Angel and as a way of connecting it to fulfill, I don't know. Um, but I, I just think it's, I think it's something totally original and, you know, great. I'm glad. Yeah, me too. I, I hope so. Or if it fits have it fit in some unique and interesting way that will make us look at the the old um, episodes with a different eye. Yeah. I'll take that too. Yeah, there ain't kind of like strange nods to it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but he said that they're spread across 30,000 light years. Is that a lot? Well, Voyager was pulled 70,000 70, light years away. Okay, so it's not that much. Yeah. But they've still got the spore drive. Yes, which they're using in the Which you do upcoming. see using it in the trailers, but... Which kind of, I guess, in a way, disappointed me, because I kind of wanted them to get away from that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm surprised. How are they using it? I mean, I guess Damon said he was not willing to do it anymore, didn't he? Yeah. 
So I wonder what... But I'm telling you... Because my theory was always that we never hear about it because they just found out that it wasn't... They just found out it wasn't a proven technology. It was dangerous. Yeah. It was all these things. Cool. Yeah. Well, we still could get there. I mean, they certainly have had some... Yeah, you figured they would learn their lesson. They had a lot of trouble with it. Yeah. But that, also, they could they could turn around and say, well, that was only because Lorca was doing it on purpose. Maybe. I don't know. We don't accidentally wind up in the mirror universe. Lorca programmed it. Right. But they don't... I don't know if they know that. I don't know if anybody knows that. He did it from his console, so it's like I don't think anybody's aware of it, is aware of that. They might have figured it out though, and they realized he was he was maybe yeah. maybe check huh. the navigational logs. I don't, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So we have the next weeks coming up, and we saw a little bit of that. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. We had Pike and Evil Giorgio interacting. I wonder if Pike knew previous Giorgio, and I wonder if Pike knows that that's not. Giorgio. That's the other thing. How many? I don't think many people. I mean, the Admiral knows. Burnham yes. knows, obviously, and those on Discovery... Yes. On the bridge, at least, know. Yeah. Um, now, he did say, I've been briefed on your situation, so he knew what happened with Lorca. Right. But does he know what happened with George O? Yeah, I don't know. Or if he thinks, like, oh, this is George Hey, George O, remember? Well, and the, from the, the funny thing Academy? to me is that, how does he know what happened with Lorca? Like, he said it was briefed at a point. But when? Uh... <laughs> I don't know. You know, they give the little comms, the admiral comes up on the screen, like you did with Spock all, I mean, Kirk I guess, all the time. but it's like, I, I guess I'm trying to say, like, in what context. Like, oh, hey, by the way, well, before he guess, what hap- guess what happened on Discovery today? <laughs> I assume before he takes command, they would tell him. Yes, hey, probably. Hey, listen, by the way. Probably. They've been through some shit. <laughs> you might want to use a light touch. Maybe. Post it on Starfleet's uh, social media. <laughs> yeah. Um... But no, you had a you had a hater's corner thing, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, well, I'm 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 leery to even bring it up. So I was listening Why? to a podcast. Okay. And this is the type of stuff I usually don't touch because, as you know me, that I'm not someone who dislikes um, the diversity of shows. Now, like we barely even talk about it because to us, it's like these are great characters, and we enjoy the show, and that's great. Right. So, um, I was listening to a podcast and, and they were bringing up the fact that, um, with all the characters of non-human and characters of color and women, why do they have another white guy in charge as the captain of Discovery? Because that's how Pike was written. As the podcast went on, they continued to describe how... Don't mention this podcast by name, by the way. I won't. They continued to describe how much they liked Pike and they're like all the things he did so it was just real I don't even know if this is a hater's corner but it was just very strange that they really focused on that and you know I don't know it was interesting stuff just really stuff just really gets to me yeah um here but I thought about it and here's one thing I realized is that even though Pike is the captain Mm. this is not Pike's show still this is still Michael Burnham's show right she's the one who's having she's the lead yeah and she's the one who's going through a um, I think eventually character arc. I think eventually she will be captain. I think she will too. Yeah, I think she will too. And I think Lorca's. I mean Lorca. Uh, Pike's only temporary. Right. Um, I think yeah, Saru's going to get it back. Yeah, because we need Pike has to go back to the Enterprise to hand it off to Kirk at some point. But but we also need our Pike spinoff series. <laughs> okay, but that's not official yet, is it? <laughs> no, it's not official. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Um, so we can't stay on on there, yeah. Yeah, I just think that um, 
two things. A, he's only temporarily captain. And B, he's like a good guy. You know? Yeah. He respects Michael. He respects the whole crew. He does. He's not a dick. The guy who came with him was a dick. Yeah. Who was being Definitely shitty to was. Michael probably because she was a woman. He didn't trust her. But like, Pike is a good, like, non-sexist, non-racist dude. And that's... Even though in the cage he did say to number one, I can't get used to having a woman on the bridge. But that was nineteen. Well, he learned that was quote unquote, in quotes nineteen sixty four, and it was quote unquote before this. Yes, in, in Star Trek time. Yes, exactly. So now, um, yeah, he he's he got used to women on the bridge. Yeah, because there, there are a lot of them on Discovery. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting though because we hear so much hate thrown at Star Trek Discovery for like, oh, it's too inclusive, it's too diverse, and then. It's coming from the other side, too, as in, oh, it's not diverse enough because it has a white cat, dude captain. So it was right. just an interesting... and, and uh, But if I... I'm sorry. If I could just go down that row for just one sure. second. When Pike's on the bridge and he's doing the yeah roll call, like, there's, like, two white guys on the bridge. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think Kate would make yes, but the one that's in charge. I'm just putting oh, it out there. Oh, God. I hate, I, I hate SJWs. I really do. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. And, you yeah. know, you, I think you and I, as we all, always say, it's like... It's Trek. We don't it care. It doesn't matter. We want a good story. Yeah. And Burnham's a good character. George is a great character. We're not... We don't... Like, I don't think, first of all, it matters. But secondly... Right. But if the whole show were a bunch of white dudes, I would be like, this is weird. But secondly, it's Star Trek, so... Even more so, it shouldn't matter. Because it's all about diversity and whatnot. Right. Right. So, I just put it at the point of discussion. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. So it wasn't really a hater's corner. Benjamin Sisko is all I'll say. Well, yeah, but he's I know. awesome. And he's probably my second favorite character. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I you know... After we're... white dude Archer. <laughs> Not because he's a white dude, though. Yeah. <laughs> Who I... We could still hopefully see. Yeah, totally. Baculous. Yeah. Over there at the CBS lot, yeah. doing uh, whatever he's doing. Yeah, it's like we're on the same network, can't like, you? He's doing the Hot Dad show. He's on uh, Hot Dad he's on one of the, Yeah, he's on one of the NCIS. Is it? Yeah, or Hot, Hot CSIs or something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah, come on, Scott, just do one for us, really quick. Yeah, come on, man, that'd be great. I would love it. Um, but what? What? Again, what really excites me is now. I don't have a haters' corner, really. Yeah, mine was not a haters' corner. Just. But other podcast, if you're listening, which I'm sure you're not, um, I like what you do. What 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 I got into the other day on Twitter was this whole thing about how somebody was complaining about again the old complaint. It looks too advanced. It's not supposed to. Da, da, da. But and I've heard those complaints. Before, but what was, what was really beginning to just really get under my skin was, you know, this person. It's the attitude of. We've never seen it before, so therefore it can't exist here. Right. Right. So it, it's all everything has been written, everything has been done, there's no more to do. Right. Nothing new can happen. We've seen everything. And it's not the case at all. It's like and that's what was really just getting under my skin. And then it was like like again, the whole like Oh, Spock can't have a sister because it was never mentioned, and then they can't have holographic communication on the bridge because we've never seen it before and da. And so then I started responding with like, Okay, so is it are you, is it is it okay that Kirk was originally called James R. Kirk and then he became James Tiberius Kirk? Is it okay that in the 
TOS episode, The Enemy Within. Sulu's stranded on a planet with his crewmates, and they're freezing to death, and they don't take a shuttle down there, even though we've seen they've we've seen shuttles a century before that. Is it okay that, you know, Troy says to Riker at one point in the movie Insurrection, I've never kissed you with a beer before, when she has done it multiple times on The Next Generation? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I, I have to say, for a franchise that's 52 and a half years old, it's very consistent. Yeah, except it's not enough Andorian. Its history is very consistent. Like, yes, there are mistakes, but it's like, what what gets under my skin, it's just the fact that, like, other shows have made mistakes about Trek's history before, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And plus... But if Discovery does it, which, honestly, it really hasn't, I'm going to be honest with you. No, it hasn't. Huh? I I, I would agree. Yeah, no, it really hasn't. It really hasn't. And it's just, it's... Why is it unforgivable? But if they did do it, why is it unforgivable? Right, and if that's what you want to watch it for, for how consistent it is, then I mean, it's not really I was watching, watching a TV show. I was watching, I was watching yesterday's Enterprise, yesterday, and or no, two days ago. No, was it yesterday? Two days ago, I remember. And you know, it's the Enterprise C, which is about maybe 30, 40 years after Kirk. I can't remember. And when they arrive in the future, the crew of the Enterprise C says to Tasha Yar, they said. We were negotiating a peace treaty with the Klingons when, and it hadn't come out yet, when in Star Trek VI, Mm. they negotiated a peace treaty, which was about 40 years before the Enterprise-C was even built. So, like, but that's okay for some reason. And this guy's like, well, the things, that's just a mistake, and the things you mention are just trivia. I'm like, no, they're they're trivia because they're continuity errors. That's why. Yeah. That's what makes them trivia. Yeah, I can basically see he's being an apologist for everything. All the, the other, other argument probably is that like, well, those were like small things, and this is like the core fundamental of this show to him is probably a violation. I we don't have a camera. I'm just shaking my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that shit just really pisses me off. Yeah, yeah. but um, on just something a little bit more positive. So since we between our last show and this one. They've officially announced George O getting her own show. Yes, that's right. We didn't talk about this yet. Yeah, but it's weird. We talked about her possibly getting one. That's right. We had a long phone it was conversation. Rumor, it was rumored. It was rumored yeah. about that. We had a phone conversation the last week, and when it was over, I said, we should have recorded that. It would have made a good podcast. Right. So now we're going to try to talk about it again. But the interesting thing about it now is that I was reading some stuff about how they're sort of laying out this Trek universe for CBS, mm-hmm. and they were saying that that show may not it's possible that show may not come until Discovery ends really? well because they're saying they, they were saying things like we. they were saying what they're basically getting at was it's not so much we're going to have all, this sh- all these shows on all at once but some could be replacing other ones oh I see yeah huh interesting well I didn't realize that yeah well that's weird well okay so one thing that was interesting is we saw some Giorgio in action in the because they said that she's going to She's. they said she's going to be in Discovery season 3 Still. Yeah, and so I was even wondering about that because we saw that she's going to be doing some action yeah. things right. in this show. So I was wondering, like, huh, they can have her run simultaneously when she's in both shows or is she going to just move from one to the other? Right. So are they going to be, is this season going to be some kind of like, is it going to be some kind of like backdoor pilot, as they call it? Right. But it was cool. She had that face enhancer who made her look like a Klingon. Yeah. So is she still messing in Klingon politics? 
I mean, she's joined. I mean, obviously, she's. Well, don't forget, there's that deleted scene at the end of last season where she joins, where she's recruited for Section 31. Yeah, well, she's definitely in Section 31. I even said it in the. For next week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He so. Shows the, she shows her badge to uh, Pike. Right. He says, oh, Section 31. And it'll be interesting to me what they actually do with that. I think that show will have a very, maybe, Deep Space Nine feel to it. Yeah, I think. Like I said, it's not it's not the part of Star Trek that I'm most interested in. No. But I'll but, certainly check it out. But fans have been wanting a Section 31 series for a long time. Which is really interesting yeah. because I often hear fans complaining that, like, well, it's all action. It's no, like, I know, philosophical like, when did When did that ever come into play? Like, what, why, when did that complaint ever start coming into play? Like, is it because of the Abrams films? Like, I don't know. Deep Space Nine had a lot of action in it. The movies, yeah. Like I don't. When did when? Why is that suddenly not acceptable? Well, the thing is, they're all action, and there's no philosophical whatever. Because for the pew pew, uh, yeah. I mean, look, dummy. I would. Uh, I would. Audience, I would. Claim. As as great as the show is, I would argue that Deep Space Nine doesn't have a whole lot of the Trek philosophy to it. I may get some hate for that, but I don't think that. You know, maybe in a different way it does, but like I don't, I don't think that that's a show that would have been totally embraced by Roddenberry. No, but here's what I do like about it: it has, it's almost like what happens when that pure Trek philosophy comes up against. But then again, what is the pure Trek philosophy? Well, about, you know. Well, so the 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 uh, Roddenberry idea of. You know, it is it is infinite diversity, infinite diversity, and infinite combination. Yes, it, and yeah. it is advancement, and it is progress, and people have put aside their differences as far as petty conflict, and they're all about you know right. moving the technology forward and all that. What happens when that comes up against kind of like real world? Um, you know, because not everyone thinks that way. So what happens when that bumps up against people that don't think that way? So I think Deep Space Nine dealt with. Um, Sort of, how do you take those ideals and manage well, conflict? So yeah. think about Under the Pale Moonlight, where it's sort of, he is agonizing about what he has right. to do. So right. it's like, he ha- wants to stay true to those, those cores, but he is realizing that he can't. Well, it's a moral, it, it, it's Trek with, it's a, it's a moral message. It's a moral, because up until, I mean, I don't know, but... For a long time, I don't know if any, anything's come along since, really, but uh, for for quite a while, remember that that was long for a long time considered the sort of darkest episode of Trek ever made. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anything's really surpassed it, honestly, because that was really kind of the that was really the like the dot the complete opposite of yeah, yeah. Of a, it really took it and kind of turned it on. That's its head. not um. That's not a uh, uh, Jordy going on a hollow. Uh, <laughs> Holodeck uh, date, yeah, you know, on a beach with a cocktail and umbrella. Oh, that reminds me. Did you see that in the the episode Discovery? The the transporter guy had a, a yes visor on, and I he forgot. had a weird bunch of little panels. On I his forgot. Head. I forgot to mention that he had an early version of the visor. Um, because yeah. I meant to bring that up. And they um, had a bunch of weird things in his head. But no, I, I think, but at least we see. I think at least we see Cisco agonizing over it. Yes, because and I think, he, and in the end, he says. You know what I did was wrong, but yeah. I can live with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because I'm sure he, he, you know, he went to Starfleet Academy. He learned the same ideals as Picard. Yeah, and um, but he had to face some things that Picard didn't. Right. 
So what do you do? I think when you look at Discovery, because Michael brings up, it's come up multiple times, you know, we can't, how she says, you know, we can't, we can't forget who we are, you know, we are Starfleet and this, that, and the other thing, and it's great. I do wonder if just, but I wonder if over time, does that, does that attitude change over time? Mm. Right? I don't know. Yeah. And that, and that's why you see, and the reason why you see so much conflict on Deep Space Nine is because they, they didn't want conflict between, Roddenberry didn't want conflict between his Starfleet characters. That's why most of the cast is not from... The conflict always had to come from the outside. Yeah. That's why a lot of the cast is not actually uh, Starfleet. Oh, right, right, yeah. 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 So, yeah, you know, we'll see what happens with um, with Section 31. It's it's very... It'd be, I'll be interested to see if they can sort of maintain that kind of Trek idea. Yeah, it'll be I mean, interesting. But at the same time... I don't see anything wrong with you setting a show in the Trek universe. Doesn't mean it has to follow the Trek idea. It's just set in that world. Right. Right. Like if they had a... um... Like if you did a show about... It'd be awful. But if you did a show about Ferengi, (laughs) I mean, would you make them... You know what I mean? Like, would you make them like... You know... Yes. Because I think... They'd be like a version of the love boat with Ferengi. Is it... But is it like... Is it more about... Is it, because I feel like there may be some confusion. Is it like, is it, is it, are you talking about the Star Trek universe that has to have that attitude? Or is it just, is it Starfleet characters that have to have, is it humans that have to have that attitude? Yeah. That's the. I think it's humans. That's the, yeah. It's, it's, it's. Yeah. I mean. But I think. DS9 was like the the example I was citing. The big thing that, that, that forgets is that, um, any art, you know, film, music, television, it's made in a particular time in America and history, you know, it's made in America and they reflect what's going on in the culture. So the 1960s was this came out in the era after, um, John F. Kennedy gave his new frontier speech, you know, and yeah, it was like the future America was on the ascendancy that anything was possible. We were going to space. We were doing all these things and it seemed like we were unstoppable. Um, so of course it's going to have this like, pure progress and nothing but moving forward um and then so yeah i think that it's you can't rule that out that it's a product all, all these things are product of the times in which they're written and you need to make it as such i mean the yeah you can't make the same show you made in the 1960s no one is going to deny that the third season of enterprise the zindi season is a response to oh september 11th totally despite it being yeah. And like three years after that. Yeah. And love or hate this indie storyline. I hate it personally. <laughs> I don't hate it. I mean, I also haven't watched the whole thing in a while, but, yeah. um, you know, it would have been weird for them to not try something that had something to do with that. I think that's when, especially genre movie and movies and television are at their best is when they're responding to things happening in the real world and, and not, you know. You don't have to be obvious about it. You don't have to hit people over the head with it, but it should be influenced by the real world. No, absolutely. And I think that I, I don't, 
I don't see a whole lot of it happening right now in uh, at least real world and um, uh, in Discovery, but you know you don't have to. Not every episode of Trek, not not every episode of Trek was like that. Oh no, that's definitely true. So yeah, we'll see. Sorry. And plus, you had um, you, and you did have though, you know, Discovery was about a war between two cultures that kind of didn't understand each other. So, I mean, you know, I mean, if you want to dig into it, there are certainly some parallels you can see. Yeah, and and we'll see what they do with um with uh, Section 31. I really think that, you know, I, I'd like to see them trying to hold up that ideal as much as they can, but I realize that they it's not possible. If, if they don't, I'll still watch it. It's fine. That's not why I watch Oh, yeah, no, I don't Trek. watch it for the idea. Yeah, yeah. so. Uh, but... And, you so, know, if you look at the United States, the United States has its ideals, but then they have the CIA do some underhanded things. So you can think of Section 31, like the CIA, and the, during the Cold War, going around doing whatever needs to be done. Right. Keep the thing moving. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, won't be, you know, according to them, it won't be on for a while, so. Well, at least we'll have uh, the Picard show. This year. So, uh, but in the meantime, let's... Uh, wrap this bad boy up i think yes let's wrap it up and um again send your emails send your tweets send your that's just those actually emails at uh it's in discovery we trust at gmail.com and you can tweet us at disco podcast we uh so i guess stay tuned we will be coming back at you with a commentary for the cage oh yes the cage, the cage. Very exciting this see if we can tie anything together. All right. Over and out. Over and out.